The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome all of your my listeners in the United States and around the world. This is Good Morning New York, and I am your host, Vince Rocco. We are coming to you live, as always, from Blastar Productions here in New York City. Uh, between the cranes, the scaffolding, and the tall, shiny towers that dominate our city streets, it's hard to step aside in New York City <clears throat> without being reminded that we're in the midst of a years-long new development boom. But what do the eye-popping architecture and big numbers headlines mean for the regular New York City buyer or renter? We will talk about vetting a brand new building, whether you're buying or renting in it, to the up-and-coming amenity trends, to the effects all of this uh, change has on the individual neighborhoods in New York City. It's a phenomenon that started years ago, but this year, for some reason, we've had more new development buildings coming to market uh, than ever. So it's going to be interesting to see where we go with that. And as I said, we will talk about that just a little later. But first, some news items. Facebook is taking more office space in Manhattan. The social media giant has signed a lease for 200,000 square feet at 225 Park Avenue South at the corner of East 18th Street, according to the New York Post. The firm already has 270,000 square foot office space at 770 Broadway, so they are expanding. While Mayor Bill de Blasio's proposal for a streetcar linking Brooklyn and Queens is appealing to many who find interborough travel a challenge, not everyone is thrilled with the idea. In a Sunday New York Times article, some Red Hook residents in Brooklyn voiced apprehension about the suggested uh, project, expressing concerns that a new transportation option uh, would encourage development and related prices uh, price increases in the area. Housing prices are rising faster than wage prices, wages in most of the United States, making home ownership increasingly difficult for average Americans in some of the most populous areas of the country, according to a report released last Thursday. Home price growth uh, exceeded wage growth in nearly two-thirds of the nation's housing markets so far this year, with urban centers like San Francisco and New York City among the least affordable, the report found. Home prices in 9% of the U.S. Uh, housing market are now less affordable than their historic norms. Home buyers need to spend more of their income each month on housing, leaving less money for other purchases. As New York's buildings were lit in solidarity a couple of weeks ago in the colors of the Belgian flag, New Yorkers are taking it all in stride. They are going about their business with perhaps an extra eye out for someone who has put a bag down on the ground or looks particularly odd or suspicious. But if you are worried about a terrorist bombing or a poison gas attack on the subway, you are not alone. The Department of Homeland Security is so worried that it will be conducting a study on the behavior of airborne contaminants in the subways between May 9th and May 13th. The test substances will be released 
at uh, what every New Yorker knows are the biggest targets, the subway stations, platforms, Penn Station, Grand Central Terminal, and Times Square. Uh, Yahoo uh, Global News anchor Katie Couric and her husband John Molnar have purchased a 10th floor spread at 151 East 78th Street, a bit further east than her previous co-op on 93rd Street and Park Avenue. Uh, Katie has served as the host of various news shows on NBC, CBS, and ABC throughout her exclusive career, previously resided at 1155 Park Avenue where she owned an apartment in that building since the early 1990s. The couple shelled out $12.17 million for a five-bedroom, five-bath pad, a bit over the $11.95 million asking price. Interesting that uh, their new 4,000-square-foot apartment includes floor-to-ceiling windows, a private landing with direct elevator access, south-facing views and exposures, and a private master bedroom wing. Sounds all fine to me. Sounds good. I'll take two. I'll take two. Isn't that something? (laughs) You know, we we talk about this every week, but, you know, I look at the prices as we are in this business on a daily basis, and I just cannot get over, you know, uh, what people spend on the ultra-luxury side of the fence uh, for apartments. I mean, a five-bedroom, 4,000-square-foot sounds like your average, probably, size house in the suburbs somewhere. Yeah. $12 million. Yeah. And she paid over the asking price at 11.9, I think it was. So 500 grand in the suburbs. 500 grand. Quite a suburbs. difference. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Something came across my email uh, yesterday, I think, and I was looking. Uh, a broker friend of mine in upstate in the Hudson Valley, yeah. uh, New York, wa- was sending uh, to his distribution list a house I think it was 4,000 square feet, $549,000, brand new renovation. I mean, it looked spectacular. Pool in the ground, a barn, (laughs) outbuildings, 549 on 3.1 acres of land. I mean, you know, it's amazing what geography or or, location, you know, does the prices. You just said it. You hit the nail on the head. Location, location, (sighs) location. New York's amazing because everything's right outside. You know, suburbs, you have to get in a car, you have to go somewhere. Everything is right outside, but, you know. I, I get it. I mean, I get all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like you, you you sit back, and I think we talked about this last week on the show. You just sit back and you kind of wonder, you know, can you ever leave this city? And can you, and if you do leave this city, isn't it you know uh, an easier lifestyle, or would it be an easier lifestyle? These are the struggles and, and the back and forth that I go through yeah. on a regular basis. I, I can't quite understand how. I guess people ultimately make that decision because I'm smacking that's a, the That's a tough wondering. decision to make. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, if you, I think it's a mindset thing where if you leave New York, you know, you might be, you know, forfeiting, you know, contacts and experience in the city, but you have a different mindset when you're in New York. And if you go to, you know, I'm from Connecticut. If I went to Connecticut, yeah. I'm sure I'd be running circles around people. Um, you know, same thing as the West Coast. Uh, not saying that they're, you know, super slow and lazy, but, you know, there's a different mentality out there. You know, they're, they're chilling, they're surfing, they're doing what they have to do. And uh, New York, it's like, go, go, go. go you mentioned go, go. something that I want to ask you about, too, because I, I, about the energy. So how does, how does the energy of a New Yorker like us uh, translate to the suburbs. I mean, because, you know, tying this back to real estate, obviously, you know, uh, so many people do come in uh, from the burbs to buy in the city and, and vice versa. But but I w- always wonder, because I know when I go home to visit, I feel like my energy is bouncing off walls and yeah. I, I kind of don't fit. Yeah. How do you think that translates in, into the burbs? Uh, I think they just look at you like you have 10 heads because you're uh, a New Yorker. I think that <laughs> that's just the main thing. You know, you're talking fast. You try and slow it down. It still comes across as, 
is quote unquote aggressive. Uh, people are looking at you, asking you questions, trying to see how fast you respond, etc. Um, and then you're looking at them too, like they have 12 heads. Like, oh man, look at how slow these people are. You know, I go, I went to you know a Dunkin' Donuts in Connecticut. I'm like, all right, guys, let's move it, let's speed it up here. What's going on? But then you realize that's just how it is everywhere else. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's what I can't wrap my arms around because sometimes, oftentimes, I'm in the grocery store, you know, shopping for something, and it's like they can't bag the, yeah. the groceries fast enough, <laughs> yeah. and so I'm shoving the, the, the groceries in the bag, and they look at me like, "Calm down, Mister. You know what? What's the deal? Yeah, it's yeah, like just exactly. you know, just calm down. <laughs> like I can't. I'm, I'm used to the you know the white bag syndrome in New York City. Yep. It, it, the stuff here in the in the city is put in the bags faster than you can even take your wallet out and pay for it. Totally, it's amazing. But that, totally. that's that's what happens. Anyway, I wanted to mention, I forgot to do this last week. Um, Good Morning New York, our program here, is celebrating two years on the air last week. So we'll say happy anniversary today, this year, uh, this day. Um, I'm sitting here with Rachel and Niall. And, you know, listen, I don't even know where Niall and I were talking about time flying just before the show oh, started. The and year's I, half over. <laughs> I, I said it's already it's already April. I don't understand what's going on. We're no. almost mid, mid-month, uh, mid-year. But where did two years go? You know, two years just went flying right by. Just yeah. fun though. Yeah, we are. I, I, yeah. it's like I don't. I mean, I remember the first, the first day, and and here we are. You know, two almost, years in. We were so nervous. Two. I don't know about you, but I was like so nervous. Remember, we were calling from home. Yeah. We were all calling from home. Which now it's so much better in the studio. Yeah, the studio is great. I think, we, and the thing is, we didn't know. I mean, I didn't know any of you guys, so I was like, I don't know when to speak. I was like, who's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing to you, Rachel. Like, who, who is this person? That's it was right. interesting Rachel picking Schiller. It was interesting picking out the panel back two years ago. I remember, you know, working with this, uh, working on this with Richard, my PR guy, and it's like, you know, some people I knew, some people I didn't know, but we tried to get a nice blend. Um, of talent, so to speak, and and you know, two years later, it's it's really worked wonderfully, uh, and also we're about to celebrate our one hundredth show, so oh, that's amazing. coming up in the next couple amazing. of weeks. I know one hundred shows. Amazing. That's that's incredible. I just don't get it. I, I think it was just, it's just wild to to what you just said, Rachel. It's like oh, we were all so nervous, yeah. and it's like you know who is really even listening back in the day. I think my mom has been the only. Listener, my who's husband been, and your mom. Who's, who's been this from, it. from day one? <laughs> and Jet, his yeah, dog. like literally listening to everything, and we're like all nervous. But but what's funny? We do this stuff all day long. We eat and breathe it. Yeah. So it's so easy for us to talk about it. Yeah. It, it's like ridiculous. Like our third arm. Yeah. That's yeah. true. But you know what's so funny? It, it, it is because we're all very experienced and we've been in the business for a long time. But, you know, you put a microphone or or a camera in front of somebody and all of a sudden they freeze. Yeah. Regardless of how expert you are. So I think we have all come a long way in becoming comfortable with this thing sure. like in our face, you know, I on Tuesday it. mornings. And we can um, we can teach, we can educate, we can, uh, you know, advise people out there uh, on real estate topics because that is what we do and we do it really so well. So what was the peach in the pit? In the last two years, I do this game actually around the dinner table all the time. Okay. I got it from the Kardashian show. I know it's ridiculously pathetic, but I mm. thought yeah. I heard that somewhere. Yeah. Okay, peach in the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, I don't know. What would that be? What do you think? The expo was fun. I think that was a really great mm-hmm. highlight for all of us together on the panel. Yeah, that was live. Fun. Yeah. I, th- I yeah. think that was great. Um, yeah. I think we've had a lot of interesting guests through the two years as well. So, I mean, if I had to, you know, narrow it down to who you know was the best guest, you know, I don't know. I mean, there were so many really good ones. Um, I really think though the 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 peach in the pit for me actually is every Tuesday. 
coming here to the studio and preparing and kind of getting myself, you know, mentally ready and then having you all come in. I think it's, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's an every week thing uh, and I look forward to it every week. I mean, you, know, you can always say one show is better than the other, but I think um, I just love being here. And I, if I could do this every day, <laughs> if it paid the bills, I would love to do it every day. I'm getting yeah. a sore throat, by the way. It's driving me crazy. Anyway, let's move on to some of our topics. Airbnb and other short-term rental services make it easy for hosts to find willing renters for their spaces. Before that can happen, though, they need a space. And for that, they often need a broker to help with that search. Brokers, both sales and rentals, are encouraging an increasing number of clients who openly or otherwise seek units to plan to market through the services, sometimes commercially as de facto hotels. So, you know, my question is, how widespread... Um, is this, and do you try to talk people out of it? So in other words, when customers come up to you and say, hey, I want to buy an investment property because I want to Airbnb it. Now, we understand what the rules are, and we understand that it's really not legal here in New York City, but there are people still out there who want to do this. When you are aware of that, what do you, you know, how do you work around that? I mean, I recently had to do that. And, and it wasn't pretty. It, it doesn't happen as often lately because now there's a stigma attached to it. Mm-hmm. Early in the game, it was more common. Yeah. Now, if it's a non-doorman building, they can get away with it. But as a broker, absolutely not. You cannot do it. No subletting. Um, actually, I was talking to a friend of mine who runs a hotel in the city, and his hotel is not one of the higher-end hotels. It's the lower-end. And his business has been impacted majorly because of Airbnb, because of that price point mm-hmm. of two, two to three hundred dollars a night, mm-hmm. maybe even one fifty a night. Mm-hmm. That's what's affecting the hotels out there, not the uh, upper, upper, high end stuff. <clears throat> it's interesting because I, I hear from you know through the friend network a lot yep. more so lately that you know when they're looking to go on vacation and they're looking for places to stay. The first place they come up with now is Airbnb. Everybody is looking for a room or an apartment or a house anywhere that they're going. And you know, before it was all these travel sites mm-hmm. and you know the internet, and, and now it's it's kind of like Airbnb. It's like, all right, I want to stay in someone's house or I want to stay in someone's apartment. So it's big business outside of New York City. Oh yeah, uh, it's a cat. My friend at Element um, was quoted in the Real Deal. It's a cash cow, basically yeah. for somebody, an investor especially looking to just. A huge return on your money. I mean, sure. we're talking like most people break even. Maybe they make a hundred, two hundred dollars, right? If you go through the condo, sure, the the protocol. But Airbnb, you're you are profiting. You you're making enough money to basically not work. In some cases, I think the thing that you have to keep in mind too, and I agree with that, is just is that when you're dealing with like a a, a bed and breakfast style, you know, there's management that that kind of you know gets tagged along with it, and it, and it is a bit of work. You know, you have to you know clean the place, change the sheets, book the people, not get, get murdered, keys, not get not murdered. get murdered. Yeah, there's, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of there's different that. things, so you can yeah. you know, so yeah, you can make a lot more money, but you know, there's you have to have like a, a manager or something like that in place. I'm, I'm talking about the business side of of Airbnb. But I'll, I'll stop right there. <laughs> we have to stop anyway. We have to take a break. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. 
put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U RealtyGroup.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back. I'm talking to Rachel Altshuler from uh, Douglas Elliman and Niall Lundgren from Compass. All right, we've all heard the expression that there's uh, no such thing as free rent, but if you peruse enough New York City rental listings, you will see plenty of offers of free rent, maybe even two months worth. I mean, there are all kinds of gimmicks when you're looking for for rentals in this town. In fact, according to a recent city habitat report, move-in incentives by landlords continued to grow last month. In February, a full quarter of new uh, leases included some sort of concessions for the tenant. Gary Mallon, president of City Habitat, explains that these incentives have allowed landlords to keep their face rents high. Has this continued? Do we see this continuing through March? Because I haven't seen too much of that in my personal business, but I'm hearing that it has. Do you yeah. see it out there? I think so. I think it, it 100% has continued through March. I'm not sure how long it's going to go for, considering we're entering upon the busy season. But I think in general, landlords are looking to keep the face rents high just to show that to the bank and, you know, for rent roll purposes. Um, and for renting it faster. Yeah, and for renting yeah. it faster. So, for example, if, if, if a renter comes into a building and they, they are, you know, interested in renting an apartment, the incentives are, what is it, one month free, two months free? It's an either-or situation, so it's a one-month free, or it's an OP, which is an owner pay, where the landlord pays the broker. Mm-hmm. So it that's like, you know, you've hit the jackpot, basically, right? Because yeah, you make are, your broker happy, yeah. and then you get the free month, so it's amortized over 13 months. I was going to say, is it a 12 or a 13 or 14 month Right, lease? so net effectively, the number is lower. Um, but typically now, I'm finding the concessions are, are one of, or the other. It's not both. Yeah. If you find both, there's something wrong with the building, or it's a location that's up and coming. Yep, that's true. There was a situation in my office just uh, last week, I think, uh, now it's coming to me, that the, one of my agents came and said the building was offering one month OP yeah. to the broker and one month free to the renter or 
two months free to the renter and no OP to the to the broker, mm-hmm. and it was all discussed in front of the renter. So the renter turned around and not, said, "Well, I'm not, I'm not going to pay a commission. I want two months." Oh, it was a huge fight, a huge fight. Yeah, they, yeah. See, I don't know if the listening audience understands what we're talking about, but Explain basically, it. when you're with your client, you're providing a service, and you've spent a lot of time and energy providing that service. So when you take them to an appointment, and the sales office or the landlord's representative in front of your client states that somebody can have either two free months or one free month and will pay your broker, mm-hmm. you're putting the broker at a very uncomfortable situation. Sure. And you're making everyone basically uncomfortable. Yeah. So and that's the, someone that who's, uns- be, who's not experienced. You know, and yeah. plus, you know, and there's actually companies, you know, that, like landlord, you know, agents for the landlord that actually do that, uh, like in, in, in on purpose in mm-hmm. front of you. Mm-hmm. So it's really important, you know, if you're a savvy broker when you're in those situations to understand um, what building you're in, mm-hmm. who you're dealing with, mm-hmm. to understand if they are an experienced leasing onsite agent, mm-hmm. um, and then always to kind of bring them as you're going through, pull them aside when you're in an apartment and be like, hey, I just wanted to confirm you know, the incentives here. Right. And then you have that conversation yeah. and then say, I'll relay that to my client. Educate your client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Instead of it being like a group session where they're like, hey, you can get this or this or what do you and guys want to do? And also if you have do? a relationship with that building because yeah. you've rented before mm-hmm. or you are aware of what the, the deals are over there, you want to kind of set the, the, the scenario before you even bring a client because it can get messy. And in my agent's case last week, it was really messy. Mm. We figured it out, we sorted it out, but it was... Uh, what happened? What did they decide to do? Uh, one and one. Mm-hmm. One month to the broker and one month to yeah, it's one a month. Free. That's it's the a best compromise. Thing, yeah. I mean, you know, listen. I, but, but when you put it like that, you can have two months free mm-hmm. and don't pay the broker. Right. Uh, you know, throw the broker under the bus. Under the bus. Taking exactly. the two free Which months. Is so short sighted because ultimately, if you look at any building, any sale. I mean, just you know, I've never done on site rental sales. I mean, rental rentals. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, rental <laughs> sales. <laughs> rental but, uh, rental sales. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? But, uh, but I have done on site um, sales. And what you realize is that it's about, you know, about 50 to 80% of your deals are going to come through co-brokers. Mm-hmm. And if you shoot yourself in the foot by mistreating your brokerage community, Absolutely. then you really are going to do a disservice to your landlord or mm-hmm. your developer, whoever mm-hmm. it might be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So moving on, developers, uh, as we speak, who are usually very patient, would be wise to start getting, impatient rather, uh, wise to be getting more patient. Roughly 14,500 units are expected to hit the market between 2015 and 2017, according to a new uh, analysis report by Miller Samuel uh, for The Real Deal. But by the end of 2017, just over 5,000 of those units are expected to have sold. And uh, going by the current rate of sales, it would make more than five years, it would take more than five years to sell that excess inventory. So given the limited inventory in New York City, how does this make sense? I mean, we all say in this business, and we've been talking about it on the air, that our limit, our inventory is severely limited here, mm-hmm. not enough product mm-hmm. to sell to our buyers. Mm-hmm. So how does this make sense if they're going to be uh, an onslaught of new condos on the marketplace mm-hmm. and they're saying that they're not going to sell so quickly? What, is, what I mean, what is this about? Yeah, go ahead. The issue is price. Uh, so while there's such low inventory, um, especially the low inventory exists in the lower price points, mm-hmm. um, 
what's happening with the new condos that are coming on. So we had this conversation probably six, eight, ten months ago here on the show where we were talking about um, landlords, uh, I mean, uh, developers not being able to purchase land at, at, at mm-hmm. a price where uh, they can then bring on product um, at a price point that's going to really speak to a lot of buyers. Um, and it's really going to push these condos into the luxury market space. So what we're seeing happening now is these condos are coming onto market and a lot of them are at these higher price per square foot, which the average buyer is not necessarily looking for. Uh, but for those average to lower price points, we're seeing a struggle. That being said, you know, here's a plug. Um, I can't speak about it yet because things not dry, but uh, looks like I'll be launching um, a new development, Lower East Side, that oh, nice. will be um, in that lower price point. So it should be a nice sweet spot oh, that's for those buyers, area. for the buyers that are looking for something under, you know, I know this sounds insane, but under... 1,400 you know, a square foot? Oh, no, I wish. <laughs> We're talking under like 2,400 a square foot. Like oh, then that's 2000, not the lower end? Well, 2,000 to 2,300. Wow. But for a new development, that's actually kind of on the lower end if you look at anywhere downtown. So that's really high, though. Mm. Yeah, well, Believe but, but it or that, not, if you look at yeah, though, that marketplace, I, that's like low because Avenue. Well, I won't say the address. I'm not right, allowed, right. but I just checked out the new one, and yes, um, I was disappointed in the in the quality. Um, right. so and the views far, and they were twenty one, twenty two a square foot. Right, so, so this is two thousand to twenty three hundred. Yeah, so the blend yeah. will be closer to two thousand. Yeah, and twenty one. It, it, it's, it's, it's all about the blend, but but you know, but when when we say that developers have to learn to become more patient, because in some cases, as you just mentioned, parole too, you know, back when they purchased the land, the prices were so high, so they mm-hmm. really have no choice but to right. you know price the apartments on a higher scale, two thousand, twenty one hundred, whatever the number is per square right. foot. But if the market can't absorb that, you know, they can't necessarily lower their price because they're not necessarily going to want to take a loss. So how, I mean, you know, how are developers really lining themselves up these days with reality? Because I don't think we can get these higher prices like we used to. Now, you know, markets do change. They come and they go. And we're we're experiencing a little bit of a slow period currently in New York. But I don't know about these prices um, or the developers, you know, level of patience with needing to come down just just a tiny bit. I mean, how is that going to happen? Well, the 14,000 number until 2017 mm-hmm. uh, is, I think they track that through the attorney general, right? They just look yes. at how many units are coming yes. through the pipe. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens is the developer's they release a few at a time, as we, as you guys know. Mm-hmm. So slowly, you know, the whole trick of development is to release the lower floors, work your way up, start low, work your way high. And the only thing that moves them really is either concessions or having a great team to sell it. And well, if you have both, it should be fine. Right. But, uh, and if you're, your views are weird or if there's something, if there's a dog line where you're facing a brick wall or the monthlies are high because you don't have an abatement, all these things are factored in. It could be really tricky. And, and going back to your patient developers, they, they, have, to do, they have to be really patient. Nowadays. What I have found in, in new development sales, because I did it for, for a very long period of time in my career, you know, um, it's always based on market conditions. And I've always found that when the market is hot and the market is zooming and booming, these new condo uh, developments fly off the shelf. I mean, they just, you can't build them fast enough. Yeah. But when things change and things slow down a little bit, like as I said before, we are in a, in a period right now, uh, they don't move so quickly. They sell if they're priced correctly. 
correctly if you know they they line up with the right views and the right location. Transfer taxes uh, are paid. Exactly, concessions, but you know they don't sell as fast. So just like anything else, I think it's always based on. Although on you know what, conditions. the one thing I, I'm kind of scratching my head about, literally, literally. Um, <laughs> she's doing it is, uh, right now. Is that uh, I am. Um, <laughs> Still, uh, exactly. You know, is that I think that it's funny, and I think it's kind of interesting to sort of see the different markets that we are all sort of at the moment focused on. You yeah. know, because um, what I'm considering the higher market right now is stuff that's like twenty eight hundred to like five thousand a square foot, because those apartments I think are not moving. Those new developments I think are really sitting. Anything that's priced over three million dollars, like three and a half or maybe even above four is what's stalling. But if you look at the overall price points people are buying at, I would say it's 3.5 and under is is actually quite hot. And price per square foot on new development, just from what I'm seeing, it's like when I see a development that's under 2,300 and under a square foot, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to sell. But the the one that's sitting around for 3,500 a square foot, you know, they're going to have trouble. Mm-hmm. So it, I think it's a, maybe, I don't know, um, but interestingly, I wouldn't consider, unfortunately, and I know this sounds crazy to anybody else in any part, any other part of the country, but $2,000 a square foot is no longer like a high number in this town anymore. On the heels of that, I wanted to ask, so who, who are the actual buyers? Because when we hear 2000 a square foot, $2,100, $2,400 a square foot, I mean, you know, uh, I, I used to struggle with a blended rate of uh, 1035, 1035 <laughs> yes. in the, you know, the last development remember. that I did. I, I uh, believe me, it's, right, it's etched right yeah. here. You know, so now it's up. You know, a thousand or so. Who are these buyers? I mean, who is spending this kind of money? Because the foreign market really has slowed down a bit, um, as we have seen. So, are the domestic people really spending this kind of money? They are. Yeah. Yeah. I I find. Well, I don't know. I I think we all have the same target Mm -hmm. here. I think it's um, parents buying for children. Mm -hmm. A lot of them Mm -hmm. buying for themselves for the children. Either or, it can go. (laughs) It can can go. Parents buying for parents. Parents buying for children, or parents buying for investment. Right. So there's a lot of that. Yeah, exactly. And then investment parental parental buying. Who cares what they're buying for? Right. Parents are buying. Um, Parents are buying. And then you know, I don't know how. What percentage is um, foreign? For you, not anymore. Not like that much. Twenty percent, so. something like that. Like really, kind of low. I mean, not, currently, mine is less than ten yes. percent yeah. at the moment. Really yes. low. Interesting, really low. right? Lower. Yes. Yeah. 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 All right, we have to take a break. We're coming back right after these commercial breaks. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. 
listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. Yep. All right, we are back uh, talking to Peru Brombat Never from happened. Compass, Nile Lundgren from <laughs> Compass, and Rachel Altschuler from Douglas Elliman. Okay, here we're time for another survey. The choices and the compromises in the world of New York City real estate are plenty and varied. Cookie cutter or quirky, open exposure or exposed brick, brand new or pre-war, or a location. Uh, Brick Underground, uh, as usual, asked several New Yorkers, would you rather live in a brand new tricked out building with new amenities in an emerging neighborhood or an older non-amenity building in a more central and desirable location like, say, the village? So I already know what my answer is. We all do? We all do. (laughs) What's the answer? Tricked out Highly amenitized. I just like the idea that you're saying old. tricked out, so I'm going to go. Ah, with that one. that's funny. <laughs> emerging. You want the yeah. you want the tricked out building in the emerging neighborhood. Yeah, okay. yeah. That, that's fair. Glass, yes. floor to ceiling windows. He's the youngest one in the room, exactly. though. Come on, tricked out. You set that one up. <laughs> hey, I'm down. <laughs> it's all about the language used. Marketing does not work on Nile. Okay, so. um, <laughs> actually, it's extremely it, it, successful. It actually, is very effective. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Hi, guys, I was being ironic. <laughs> so, I think what, a little sarcasm over there. But, what do you think? Um, oh, God, I am 100% high ceilings, exposed brick, no amenities whatsoever. I don't even need the doorman. Don't, I don't even care if there is a doorman. Um, elevator would be great, but that's about it. And village all the way. Yeah. Me too. I would be a squatter in yes. a <laughs> exposed brick building over a tricked out and emerging neighborhood. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so it's three against <laughs> three one. one. Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, the verdict is New Yorkers love a classic, so yes. everybody wants yeah. that old style, old world. You know. Although I do have feel. to say this. Yeah. I want an open kitchen. So I like the I like the pre-war conversions where it's inside is modern, yep. outside yep. is old. Yeah. So best I, of both yeah. worlds. I that's, agree with that's that. That's genuinely that, my taste. I can do that too. Absolutely. All right. So buying or renting in a hot off the press buzzed about new buildings seems like nice work if you can get it. Who wouldn't want the bragging rights to say they live in a shiny new apartment with fancy amenities? Okay. But even if you can afford to buy or rent in new construction, being one of the first ever residents in a building has its pros and cons. Now you know, we've all worked in new mm-hmm. development, so we understand the pros and cons of new. What are the potential pluses and minuses to consider before you sign on to move into one of these buildings? Either sign a purchase contract to buy or sign a lease because it's a brand new leased building. Pros and cons of new. Because, by the way, you know, um, I was reading several stories about this this week. Because in this town, as we were talking about a little earlier, new condos or new leased buildings uh, that look like condos are the rage. Everybody wants brand new. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, especially on the highest end of the market, if you buy in a new development, interestingly, that's where you actually really have to be concerned. Because, for instance, 15 Central Park West, uh, when people started moving into that building, it was like a construction zone for Mm -hmm. the first two years because 
you know, even though these were the highest end finishes, whatever, the buyers in that building were going in, ripping them all out and personalizing the spaces however they wanted. Absolutely. So um, really, you know, you're sort of, depending on the type of building and the price point, if you're actually buying at a mid price point, it probably won't be a construction zone, but people will be moving in, moving in furniture, furniture deliveries, you know, painters and designers uh, in and out of the place. So it might still be a zoo for a while. But what about structurally? Because a lot of times in new development, and then let's just say condo for, for you know, uh, ease of whatever. So you're moving into a brand new building. There has to be hiccups, hiccups, right? Yep. So everything is not necessarily finished properly. Mm-hmm. You might have a couple of things inside your apartment that weren't completed by the developer or the, con- uh, the construction team. Yep. A lot of hiccups and sometimes building settlement, cracks in walls. I mean... Mm-hmm. No one really anticipates that. They think of the brand newness of the building. Oh, I'm going into a brand new, squeaky clean, mm-hmm. you know, condominium building. Mm-hmm. But there are problems. The mm-hmm. upside of that, yes, you're right. But the upside of that is when you get in early, you're like, um, kind of like me going to high school in the ninth grade versus the 10th grade. Like, because I was there a year ahead, mm-hmm. I had relationships with all the teachers and I was like the really popular one. Uh, because yeah, like I knew all said, the older teachers. Said. And then when people came in in the 10th grade, I was like, been here, done that. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing where like, um, I actually visited a new development where people started moving in and the staff was so helpful and the super was on top of everything. So mm-hmm. all those hiccups can be addressed right away. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, and then when everyone moves in, you have to take a number and you're on a list. Right. So that's the nice thing about getting in it's early. It's kind of like the nice restaurants in this town when yeah. you are the one who found it early on mm-hmm. and they're not busy and mm-hmm. they haven't gotten the big clientele. Mm-hmm. You get a table and you love this restaurant. You don't want to tell anybody about it. Yes. Well, not even Bridge and Tunnel. And then it becomes popular. Right. And then all of a sudden you can't even get through the door and you're like, guys, come on, you know me. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you used to know me. Bridge, bridge and Tunnel is yes. now Bridge, Tunnel and Ferry. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a new phrase. There you go. All right. Continuing on in new develop in the new development world, buying a condo early in the sales cycle will likely get you the lowest prices. <clears throat> but just because the early bird supposedly gets the worm doesn't mean it's the best one. In fact, there are plenty of reasons to make your purchase after other buyers have already done so at the end of the selling cycle. What are the pros? and cons of this. So everybody thinks that, you know, f- first schedule A, you're going to get the the developers, you know, discounted price when they open the doors and then some people don't agree with that or at the end of the cycle when the developer needs to push product because they want to close up shop, you might be able to get a discount on the end, on the back end or the at the end of the selling cycle. So anybody who buys in the middle is probably paying premium prices because each schedule that comes out each new release that comes out prices go up prices go up prices go up so what's the what's the philosophy or the psychology behind uh, this for buyers because I, again I did this for five years in new development and I always said if you could wait it out wait till the end and buy at the end that's that's my my mm. advice or my choice what do you guys think uh, as an investor I think it's true Um, But if you're buying as a home, I think it's important to go in early because Mm -hmm. then you get the best lines. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, That's true. You have better choices of of lines. So, um, you know, that first 15%, you can probably snag a deal because they want to hit that number to declare it effective, um, the offering plan effective. And then after that, that 15% to 50% typically Mm -hmm. is like they're not really going to negotiate. They may, if you're lucky and you have a good broker to negotiate for you, 
then maybe then they'll hit 50%, which is great for the banks and financing. So then they're kind of like, Phew. and then there's not a lot of negotiations. And it all depends on how quickly the yeah. units are moving. So for instance, um, in the market that we're living in right now, even buildings that are slam dunks on the higher, higher end um, aren't moving as fast as I think most of us anticipated. So for instance, in what, one of my buyers <clears throat> was probably one of the first three buyers in a, in a new development, um, you know, in the like over 3000 a square foot price range, you know, just a larger, a larger purchase. And, um, and by being one of the first people in, and then the sales have been kind of slower. They're doing great, but they're just slower because of the price point. Mm-hmm. I think that I, I get the sense that maybe they've made like another 5% on price concessions on other units mm-hmm. that my seller did not, my buyer, mm-hmm. sorry, did not get mm-hmm. because he went in so early on, you know? Mm-hmm. So while they're, probably will be an upside on him getting in and he did get the best unit in that line with the highest ceilings Mm -hmm. so he was able to sort of capitalize to your point Rachel the best of the best not only the best line but the best unit of that line Um, so he did benefit on that level however you know had he waited to the last unit in the line if these guys were really squeezed to just give out a little more Mm -hmm. then maybe he would have saved now interestingly enough I have a project now where they weren't negotiable in the beginning the next one was all cash and got an amazing deal because num- buyer number one on the first unit was a foreign national. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to finance yes. when you're a foreign national. Yes. So they won't let them close until another unit is sold in the building. Mm-hmm. So the so, all cash one got so the, a so better number deal. number two, we were inclined to move very quickly with that and mm-hmm. included storage and and a lot of other things to get it going so then we can close on two units in the same month. So it's really, it's kind of case by case, of course, but yeah, yeah, it really depends. it's important to speak to the selling agent to understand the background, yeah. you know, what's behind the scenes there. Right. Yeah. To, finish, to finish our thought on new development, so, you know, we're talking about these sleek new condo buildings. They certainly have uh, its draws from sensible layouts to gleaming appliances, pristine lobbies, Fast, reliable elevators, of course. Those perks don't come cheap. In fact, new development condos sold for nearly three times the median amount of co-ops during the last quarter of 2015. This, according to a report from Douglas Elliman. Not only will you pay a premium to buy new, you'll also take the risk on the unknown and untested and likely have to wait a while between the time you sign a contract and closing because a new development sometimes you have to wait for the building to be finished. And that could be up to two years in some cases. So what are the questions you know a buyer should ask when they're buying in new development, either of their agent or of the development sales team, because you're really taking a risk. You're 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 buying off of floor plans. You're you're looking at something that that will probably work for you, uh, but you've got to wait a year, year and a half, two years sometimes before you actually get a closing notice that you can move in. So, what are what are some of the things that buyers should be? you know, aware of. When well, I think you're talking about timing, right? So yeah. when is the expected completion date? Is it, a, is it a ground up development? Are you buying off of a floor plan? Is it a, you know, old, like what Peru likes, the old style building that's uh, pre-war that's being converted? Um, so condo conversions are popular because mm-hmm. the price of land now is is astronomical. So it, it just understanding timing is is really important. Um, if it is you know almost built or ready to go, you know it's questions along the lines of you know the temporary certificate of occupancy, uh, TCO. Mm-hmm. When you expect Which, to get the CO? And, and the, the, the you know just to understand the TCO bit. 
um, the state has to come in and inspect. So when you're buying off of the floor plan, it's, you know, that there's a hole in the ground where there's supposed to be a building that you're buying into. And then, you know, it takes time and permits and, you know, construction costs and workers and if there is a shortage and whatnot. So the building, I always tell my buyers, look, it might be six months from the time that they're promising, sometimes even longer. Mm-hmm. So the time is is an estimate. It is definitely not a guarantee. So really, if somebody needs to be in a place by a specific time, new development is not for them. It's not for them, um, exactly. Unless you know, and there's there's a caveat to that. If there's a very well-established developer who's developing the building and you've known that they've consistently delivered within three months of a timeline and they really know what they're doing and they have all the right connections in the city and government side, and et cetera, then the chances are that they may be able to deliver somewhere within a three, four-month time frame of what they're predicting. That being said, the TCO bit is as soon as the inspectors come in and they look at the building, they inspect it. If there's anything off, they're going to say, nope, you don't get the TCO. Everything needs to be corrected. Then their schedule has to open up to come in and inspect your building. So the, t- the TCO process can take a long time. And right. it's something to, important to keep in mind. Very much so. All right, we have to take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Put Blue Realty Group to work for you. Blue Realty Group is a full-service luxury real estate brokerage firm in Manhattan. With our global reach, unrivaled marketing capabilities, and veteran team, Blue serves some of the world's most exclusive and high-profile buyers and sellers. Visit us today at BlueRealtyGroup.com. At Blue Realty Group, we feel that people matter and results count. Our mission with you is to meet and deliver expectations to drive the results you want. We're ready now. Visit BlueRealtyGroup.com. That's B-L-U-RealtyGroup.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at blurealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. So my question is, a renter says he has been living in his apartment for 35 years before it became a co-op building. He was offered at the time the apartment for $90,000 decades ago, but decided not to. Now the market price is about $700,000. I laughed at this story. Mm. The apartment has had uh, the same sponsor in the building for many, many years, so he's actually renting from the sponsor. He asks now, how can he buy the apartment, and would he have to pay market price even though he's lived there for so long he still wants to pay only ninety thousand dollars for the apartment <laughs> wouldn't when the value was about 700 he's been renting from the sponsor when the building converted he was a renter he stayed there how real is this i mean i, I do hear these stories almost weekly um because there still are a lot of renters in existing co-op and condo buildings so how real is this i mean 
he cannot pay ninety thousand dollars. Right? Nope. What's he going to pay? Most likely market. Most likely market. I would think um, maybe he can get a little bit of an incentive there, mm-hmm. but maybe by if he's lucky, five to ten percent. But that's about it. I would think. I don't have a ton of experience with this stuff because mm-hmm. it is kind of rare, but it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but brokers aren't involved with that kind of stuff a lot of the times We're for not, obvious reasons mm-hmm. because the owner wants to save money. But wouldn't it make sense for the, the sponsor to, because if the guy decides to stay renting, I'm sure his rent is not that high. He's mm-hmm. probably in a rent-stabilized or rent-controlled situation. Mm-hmm. Um, not likely paying market rate. So isn't it... Um, an incentive for the land, the owner of the building, the sponsor of the building, to kind of give him a little bit of a discount because other than because he's not going to sell it. Otherwise, you would think. But listen, we lose deals every day over five and ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, yes. yesterday, yep. uh, yes. yesterday, another example. I mean, five thousand dollars apart. Yes, no one would come up or down. It, it's just mind boggling. Mm-hmm. So it's short sighted and and greedy, and we see that stuff every day. It makes it's just and egoic. They it's all egoic, right? It's, and that point, it's, it's crazy. about it's, it's about crazy. winning and losing, and people get so stuck in that and you're like five thousand dollars on a th- million dollar purchase it's like, like a board game you know seriously. they dig yeah. in Shoots and they're and not ladders. gonna yeah and then you, you hit that and then you go yeah. way back down again and yep. the psychological I, barriers yeah. Yeah. yeah psychological yeah. barriers are insane yeah but i love it i love it that's that's like why we're so needed yes you know to work pe- walk, walk people through that mm-hmm. walk people through that all right so the screws keep turning tighter around the lending market as banks um are exercising more caution when it comes to financing commercial real estate, especially luxury condominiums. Thank God. Amid global market turmoil, oil prices dropping and China's slowdown, lenders are becoming more particular about which projects they want to finance. And it could lead to stall projects in New York City and they say Miami also because of their high building boom at the upper end of the market as Pearl was talking about earlier have we really begun to see this yet in New York City I mean I've read about it you know people are buzzing about banks becoming a little more difficult uh, with their criteria but have we really seen banks saying to developers no or you know your price is going to be too high the market can't absorb it what, what I've actually noticed some of the more established developers, backing off and not developing properties that they were initially planning on developing now and they're holding off a bit so whether the banks have anything to do with it or not that's not the side that I've you know plugged into but but I am seeing developers sort of saying you know what let's hold off a little bit before we start on this project Um, on the other hand I mean have you guys seen the big short Mm -hmm. Oh my no. gosh! I mean, after watching that, you're like, "Thank God the lenders are being more responsible." Yeah, that's true. Because really, really do not want another market meltdown. And so it seems that as much as there are some doomsday predictions that are coming out that you know supposed to hit now or in the next year or whatever, um, it seems that there's a little more responsibility, to be honest, and that's a good thing. I think it's yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Well said, Parole. I think it it really always comes down to responsibility, and quite frankly, oftentimes we don't see that a lot in in mm-hmm. our business, especially from the developer side. So if they want to take a little more responsibility, uh, it'll be good for all of us. So with all of this said today, with all of the talking about the new developments and the prices and the the Uber, you know, price departments. Let's talk about the current market as we are in today. So until the middle of last year, no one was fearful. But today, higher percentage of people seem to be. Markets are psychological as always. And as the fear builds, you get um, a herd mentality that comes into effect. It seems harder to get deals done. Buyers and lenders are being more cautious. And it's harder to get financing together. 
is is this a repeat of 2008, 2009 into 2010, where we had a, a real severe market meltdown based on economic reasons and based on you know the banking industry exploding? I don't believe, personally, I don't believe it's a repeat of that, that period, but I do see a psychological change in the marketplace. We were talking mm-hmm. during the break. I have in one building here in Midtown West, three one-bedrooms uh, on the market for sale, priced well. Uh, open house on Sunday yielded one person and one broker preview. I forgot for about him. For all three? For all three. Wow. So, you know, I sit there and I think, all right, so, you know, we always say in this in, in in the sales marketplace here, if you're priced well, your inventory is going to move. There is always, you know, a limited inventory the past couple of years, so there's not enough product for everybody who wants to buy. Now it seems like the product is just stalled. You know what? The, and the it buyers just have been the gone weather. away. It could have just been the weather. It was kind of <clears throat> crappy on Sunday. Really? I don't know. Sunday I, was I hate cold. blaming yes. the weather too much, though. Yeah, I do too. Like, it's too much. You know, you yeah. and I are the same. Like, we get I it. Do. Like, yes, maybe one weekend. But if you're going a month or two, then it's mm-hmm. bigger oh, this than is a, that. This is a month. There and I think what's oh, interesting. It wasn't just this weekend. I, yeah. I also okay. think. And I think. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say that the spring market brings more inventory. And so. What you're going to find is more units available in one building. So I have a building, very low price point co-op, seven units are on the market Mm -hmm. and buyers are coming to the open house. I was flooded, but they all said, why is there seven units Mm -hmm. in the building on Mm -hmm. the market? It's spring. So my answer is it's spring and every, all the sellers wait until most likely March, April, June, May, June to Mm -hmm. hit the market. And that's just a coincidence. Um, So it may be that there's three on the market at one time. Yeah, but you know what? I'm also finding, you know, across the board in my personal business, and I can only mm-hmm. really speak for my business and, and anybody else that I, I speak to, you know, on a daily basis or whatever, but um, I have several other potential sellers in that building and elsewhere that have all of a sudden just decided to kind of put the brakes on their moving at the moment. Uh, three or four, maybe five buyers of ours have just kind of cooled and said, hmm. You know, I, I want to sit it, sit it out a little bit and wait and see what's going to happen. So I it think it's seems like across the board in my business, it's dead. I would say it's different from 2008, 9, 10, because then people were coming out of really sort of being bruised mm-hmm. in 2007. Mm-hmm. And so, or sorry, in 2008. So 2009, 2010 was a different market. I think now is a wait and see market. I think those were the perfect yes. words. Um, and I think it's because people are starting to, and first of all, I think, you know, to Deborah Huffman, shout out to Deborah. She mentioned this a couple of weeks ago saying how news really affects, you know, the media Absolutely. really affects how the buyer, the consumers, the sellers uh, then interact. And I think that they're all starting to see, oh, there's stuff that's stalling. Also, the quarter, the first quarter report just came out and you're seeing such a disparity between the median prices yes. uh, versus the, the averages. And just seeing that sort of disparity in the marketplace makes people really recognize there's volatility let's step back there's probably going to be an ability to get a bargain a better deal a few months down the line so i think it's just a wait and see wait and see market it's interesting because i think this has always been the problem since new development has really taken over in in new york city the averages and the median prices are always affected because these uber priced apartments all factor into these averages and Mm -hmm. and median prices and Mm -hmm. it it really skews everything Mm -hmm. and not in a good way so i think people just get tired of seeing these higher you know price per square foot or the average price of an apartment is 1.7 so people sit back and think well you know if the average price is 1.7 million dollars in new york city i'm never buying anything because who could afford to do that i mean it's it's 
it weighs on people's minds. So I think they're taking a step back. And yes, I agree with what Deb said last week. I mean, you know, the, the press can and does blow out of proportion lots of stuff. They when misunderstand it comes to the numbers, really. Well, they, they, they spin the numbers they to spin create the headlines yes. to attract, you know, readership, yeah. right? which draws advertisements you know, on the internet and then drives revenue. So that all makes sense. But I think another factor to, to consider in, in speaking about your Midtown West experience, Vince, you know, why would I spend in just, what's the price per square foot? Uh, 14 ish. Why would I spend $1,400 to live in Midtown West when I could just go to Brooklyn? I think Brooklyn, and I know Rachel, you've had some mm-hmm. recent experience with that. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I can go to Midtown West and in just on a forecast basis, okay, there's going to be what, you know, 5,000, 8,000 new uh, units going to be placed in the Midtown West area, which is yeah. going to drive pricing down in the short term if you have a very long-term approach and you know it might make sense. So why would I go there? That's going to then take my $1,400 per foot asset and that's going to drive it down to 12, 13 for the next five, seven years when I can go to Brooklyn where it's going to certainly appreciate. And Brooklyn, you know, it's a tale of two markets, right? You have the whole Manhattan market with people saying, well, well I don't know, maybe I'll wait. And it's more inventory is coming on. And now there's more inventory. And then there's a lot of action in Brooklyn, especially in some of the, you know, tertiary markets, you mm-hmm. know, and that's really seeing a lot of, you know, where people can actually afford two bedrooms under a million dollars in Brooklyn. People are going out there all day long versus you could barely work with one buyer, one bed buyers under a million dollars. It's almost impossible. You know, it's interesting very, because, very good point mm-hmm. that but we talked about that earlier before we got on the air, Niall and I, and you know, it's about location. And I read something just the other day, we have to close, but I read something just the other day that said Manhattan now is, I'm sorry, New York City now is one neighborhood. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's no longer segregated or, you know, you want to live here, you want to live there. It's one neighborhood. It's New York City. And if Brooklyn's going to give you a better deal, it is. All right, guys, we're out of time. That's our show for this week. Thanks for joining us. You can catch the show anytime on podcast or on our website, voiceamerica.com or vincerocco.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thank you for being here, and we will see you next time. Oh. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.